This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. It's been almost exactly two years since former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Razak was convicted by the High Court on seven charges on the 28th of July 2020. He was convicted of criminal breach of trust, of money laundering and abuse of position. The sums involved are an eye-watering 42 billion ringgit taken from the SRC International, a subsidiary of 1MDB. As the final appeal goes to the federal court this month, What's at stake for the parties involved and Malaysia as a whole? So joining me today to discuss this, as well as some of the latest developments we've seen regarding the 1MDB trial, is P. Gunasegaram, independent writer and author of the book 1MDB, The Scandal That Brought Down a Government. Guna, good morning. Thank you very much for joining me today. Good to be here. Now, let's start with one of those twists in the saga last week um, when we found out that Datuk Sri Najib Raza announced a change in his legal team three weeks before the hearing is due to take place on August 15th uh, for, the court of, uh, for the Federal Court Appeal. How has this change impacted the progress of the trial, if at all? What, what did this cause to the tr- progress of the trial? I think the the federal court has uh, decided that the trial will go on as normal, which I think is the right thing to do under the circumstances. So the uh, one has to remember that this is not a fresh trial. It's an appeal. Huh? So the new lawyers have got 19 days to prepare themselves. And I'm sure together with a team uh, that they will assemble, that they'll have more than enough time to go through all the transcripts of the trial and to formulate their defense. So this trial has already been, uh, the it has been delayed for a long time. I mean, if you look at the timeline, the trial began in April, 2019. Uh, slightly over uh, uh, one year and two months later, in, on July 28, 2020, Najib was found guilty. <clears throat> now there's, now there's a, there, there is a two-year period after that it's more than two years after he was found guilty, and still the appeal process has not been dispensed with. So that, that, that that's a very long period of time, two years for a mere appeal when the trial itself took only one year and two months. So uh, more than enough time has been wasted on this trial, and uh, I think everybody uh, wants uh, some closure here. You know, I mean, there's the old maxim which says that, uh, you know, ju- uh, justice delayed is justice denied, which actually was meant for the accused. You know, the, the, the accused should have a shorter period of time to clear his name. But in this case, the accused does not seem to want to clear his name, but to prolong the trial indefinitely. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, so that, that, that uh, it really has taken a very long time. And he's got a slew of other charges which he's facing. So there is really a need to expedite the trial simply because it has been delayed for so long already. Mm. And you referenced earlier the fact that uh, when he changed his counsel, um, he did. Uh, his counsel did ask for um, the trial, which is scheduled to take place on August 15, to be delayed. The federal court has rejected this request. Uh, as far as we know, the trial will proceed as scheduled on August 15, which uh, I'm sure comes as a sense of relief for many observers who, as you said, have been watching this for the past two years. Um, 
Do you have any theories on why this sudden change of counsel took place? Is it really, as you have seemed to be implying, it's a, a sort of delay tactic, essentially? Uh, it, it really looks like a delay tactic. I mean, if you if you look at the way that uh, the trial is proceeding, at every stage of it, uh, the the defense has been trying to delay the trial rather than to expedite the, the entire process. You know, so there's not the, the kind of a thing that a person who's clearly innocent will do. You know, so you, you would want to clear your name up uh, quickly. And uh, so there have been uh, medical certs and COVID and all kinds of uh, strange reasons for delays and uh, challenges, legal challenges that have made uh, along the way. And then uh, finally, uh, you had this big thing about uh, Judge Naslan, who convicted uh, Najib having a conflict of interest, which uh, the court also threw out, which took out another few weeks and so on you know, of the whole thing. So, and then the application to bring a Queen's Council in, uh, which further delayed the process. And then, and then uh, they finally this year. You know? So, uh, when you look at it clearly, it, it is a systematic uh, form of delay of the trial. And the, the entire public, which is watching this, understands that this is an attempt to delay. So the federal court did the right thing by uh, getting the uh, by getting the trial to proceed on the uh, on the date which has been fixed. Now. I think ten days have been fixed for hearing, which should be more than enough. And I guess the question that I have next is, what's at stake for Datuk Sri Najib Raza? You know, what, why is why the delay then? Is it just a question of whether he will go into detention or not? Because he has been sentenced to 12 years imprisonment under uh, that high court uh, case, which has been upheld by the Court of Appeal now, and which is what he's appealing at the federal court. He's also been fined 210 million ringgit fine. Is it, is it yeah. just to get him to stay out of jail, essentially? Yes, because the uh, uh, most people in legal circles feel that it's a pretty watertight case. You know? And uh, looking at the case itself, Najib's only defense is that he was not aware that uh, that amount of money, forty-two million, came into his bank account. You know, but uh, events show very clearly that much of the uh, that he had signed uh, off for disbursements from that account. So how could he not know about it? You know? So that defense just uh, really just doesn't hold up. And uh, most people who have read uh, Josh Naslan's 800-page uh, 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 written judgment on that, they, they feel that it's a pretty watertight case and, uh, and uh, it's likely uh, that the federal court will uphold uh, his decision. And if he does that, then there is no other choice but for Najir to go to prison straight off. You know, and uh, have to pay the fine. So he will have to fight the rest of his trials from prison. You know? mm, okay, okay. And I suppose there was also the question of the fact he would not be allowed to run in the next general election as well if he is not, um, if his name isn't cleared by this federal court appeal. Yeah, he, he, can't, he can't run for, for elections if his name is not cleared. You know? So, but uh, even as it stands now, uh, he will not, because since he has already been convicted, he still cannot stand for election. You know? And uh, I think the, the other question is about a pardon, you know, but uh, on what basis is a pardon going to be used? Uh, and a pardon actually has to originate uh, from the pardons board. You know, It's not as if that any, anyone can actually 
say uh, the person has got to be pardoned, you know, and uh, you have to see whether there is any kind of legal or extenuating circumstances which will actually uh, justify a pardon, so to speak. You know? mm. And that's something that we mm. should keep an eye on, I suppose, if there are other um, developments towards a get- getting a pardon on this. But um, Guna, I want to mm. just sort of re- remind ourselves about the magnitude of 1MDB, because when you think about it, two years since a conviction, it's a long time. It's really easy to forget um, just how big a crime it was that the former prime minister was convicted of, especially when he remains mm. very visible and vocal in public, especially since we've had the pandemic and so many other developments um, supersede attention on that 1MDB trial, I guess, what are the important details to remember when we think of the 1MDB scandal and how it has impacted Malaysians and still impacts us to this day? I think if you look at 1MDB as a whole, the amount of uh, losses that that the country has incurred as a result is something like uh, 42 to perhaps as high as over 50 billion. The estimates uh, vary. Uh, but this is before even taking into account the opportunity cost you know, of what you could have done with this money if you, if you had it with you right now. Yeah? So uh, the, the, the way it was done was uh, the, uh, most of the money was uh, siphoned off by first taking a series of, of, uh, of bonds, you know, which were issued by Goldman Sachs, the famous Goldman Sachs bonds, I think uh, it was a total of US dollars 6.5 billion, which will amount to more than 30 billion at current exchange rates. So, and then after that, through a very dubious process, a large part of this loan was fraudulently transferred into accounts which are controlled by Jolo. So, uh, Jolo may well be the mastermind, but the the person who enabled it to happen was the person who controlled 1MDB, and this was the control under the control of the Minister of Finance Incorporated, which was the major shareholder of 1MDB. And on top of that, uh, there was an, uh, there is a clause in the Memorandum and Articles of Association of 1MDB, which, uh, which required that Najib be informed of every major transaction that 1MDB made. So Jolo could not have uh, the, uh, got that kind of power over 1MDB, unless he was given that power by, by Najib. Uh, and then there was also uh, the, the famous case where something like 680 uh, million US dollars were transferred into Najib's account. Uh, and there's no dispute that such a transfer actually took place. Yeah? And, uh, but uh, the, uh, famously, uh, Najib said that this is a donation from a Saudi prince, but there is actually no evidence at all as far as this is concerned. And uh, this is the other trial besides the uh, 42 million SRC uh, 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 amount is concerned. You know? So that, that involves a much bigger sum of money uh, about, I think, and the trial uh, will involve it's 2.28 billion uh, money laundering charges as well as abuse of power charges now. So that is the other set of major charges that he's facing. Mm. The, the, uh, the, the current uh, seven charges are relating to relating relates to 42 million from SRC International Sandiar Bahad. And uh, the charges concern abuse of power, criminal, criminal breach of trust and money laundering. 
I think uh, the probably the prosecution pushed ahead with these charges because these are much e uh, much more straightforward and easier to prove. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to independent writer P. Gunasegaram on the latest developments regarding the 1MD cor 1MDB corruption trials. We're going to come back with more after the break. But a quick message before that. LinkedIn estimates that 150 million new jobs will be created related to new technologies and software development by 2025. Learn more about MDEC's role in the development and upskilling of digital talents as they support Malaysia's digital economy on Resource Centre with Gopi Ganas Ganasalingam, Senior Vice President of Ecosystem Development at MDEC tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation, MDEC. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and I'm speaking to independent writer P. Gunasegaram. He's also the author of the book 1MDB, The Scandal That Brought Down a Government. We're talking about some of the developments related to the 1MDB trials ahead of the Federal Court Appeal on the SRC International case that commences this month. Um, Guna, one thing that has many observers scratching their heads is... How impervious Datuk Sri Najib Razak, uh, Razak's political reputation seems to be from the 1MDB fallout. He remains popular among his supporters and has a broad platform for his views. I'm wondering, how has he managed to rehabilitate his image in the two years since his conviction? I'm not sure whether he has actually rehabilitated his uh, image. But... Uh, Actually, the but he's got a pretty sophisticated social media uh, strategy, it looks like, which uh, keeps him in the news all the time, and where he's able to comment, sometimes making very good comments on the on the, on the on the state of the nation. So, but uh, the the uh, it, until it's difficult to say uh, how much of support he really has on the ground. I I believe there was one survey by Invoke. Uh, which said that 80% of people believed that Najib was uh, was guilty of corruption. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So, it, so if uh, those are the kind of numbers, uh, then uh, he really has not does not have that much of support on the ground. You know, but uh, but the surveys which there are no real surveys which are actually looking at the kind of popularity he actually enjoys on the ground. Mm. You know? Does it worry yeah. you that, um, I mean, 80% of people believe he's guilty. That's a pretty stark number, yeah? People think he did something wrong. But at the same time, there seems to be a group of people that are also um, willing to perhaps forgive him or overlook what has happened. Is that something of concern for you as an observer and as someone who's followed this 1MDB case very closely? I, I think it is basically a, a political problem, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you you have, uh, say... Uh, Amno, for instance, uh, at the moment is uh, is controlled largely by the delegates, you know, and uh, they they have not gone to the polls, and uh, the registrar of societies has actually uh, allowed Amno to delay the the polls until after the elections. You know? So, uh, so the 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 general body which comprises Amno, the Amno members itself have not had a big say in all of these things. So it cannot be denied, for instance, that Amno President uh, Zaid Hamidi enjoys a lot of support among the delegates. He does. And uh, it cannot be denied that he has got a very close relationship with, with uh, Najib. You know? And uh, so uh, uh, it, it is because of the situation that the party is in that we have a lot of problems 
as far as this is concerned because mm. the 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 members of amno have not had a voice so far and it will be interesting to see how they vote when they get their chance to vote mm-hmm. and uh, which will be now up to 6 months after the general elections when a word comes uh. so the registrar of societies decision is actually caused uh, a further period of uncertainty in this whole thing So uh, that's I guess the fascinating bit about the case there's the legal aspect then there's the economic impact but then there's also the political facet of it that's really uh, playing into how one MDB is interpreted and how it's um uh, re- reported on by everyone on a reflective note guna and being a me- media industry insider yourself how much of a role does the media play in i suppose facilitating you don't think it's a, a makeover per se but you know in, in just sort of facilitating najib's aims um to present himself in a particular way i i think i i don't think that the that the media actually uh, is facilitating najib's reputational makeover so to speak man Uh, but uh, there 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 is there, there is some media which is actually uh, doing this but those are media which has been compromised you know they have certain political alignments and uh, some of the websites are actually set up by people who are sympathetic to zaid uh, zaid's version and uh, and najib's version but by and large the the media reports what's happening you know and so najib has done uh, 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 done very well in terms of positioning himself in the media by making relevant statements at the right time sir so so yes but uh, i'm not sure whether the public is ready to forgive him for all his crimes sir hmm. how do you have any hmm. advice for i guess consumers of media for the public um as we read all these reports on najib raza are there any I guess do you have any advice on how we should um interpret or how we should assess what comes out about him you know is is there any rules of thumb that you would um or any 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 sort of things that we should remember as we read stories about Najib Razak well I I personally believe past behavior is a very good indication how how people will behave in future so I think uh I think sometimes you can be blinded by new developments and by by the uh, by the shortcomings of the other side so to speak you know so but we we should remind ourselves what actually happened as far as this is concerned you know and uh, and uh, the magnitude of the crimes that najib is accused of you know? so so when when you when you keep, keep reminding yourself of those things then you have a, a a better feel for the whole situation you know when a, when a person's uh, credibility is is so much in question as it is now uh is he someone that we should be hailing as a savior for instance i mean just take the the, the 42 million src case for instance huh? the abuse of power charge is framed under section 231 of the nacc act 2009 right so and this specifies a maximum penalty of 20 years imprisonment a fine of not less than five times the amount of gratification or 10000 whichever is higher so this abuse of power the ex specified takes place when a person who is a member of public or government body uses his position or the office in making a decision or taking action for the benefit of himself his relative or associate so if najib 
is found to have abused his power as the major shareholder of 1MDB, uh, as well as, uh, uh, as the key moving force in that company, then there is little choice but for the court to find him guilty. All right, Guna, we are running out of time, unfortunately, but I think that you've made some very pertinent points there that we should keep in mind. Uh, I think past behavior is indicative of future behavior and also just the amount, the sums involved and, and where they went. I, I think those are all things that we should remember as we follow this 1MDB trial. We'll speak to you more for sure on this case, Guna. Thanks very much for joining me today. I've been speaking to P. Guna Segaram, independent writer and author of the book 1MDB, The Scandal That Brought Down a Government. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.